Greetings and welcome to another Sunday's programming of Wellness Half Hour with Dr. Patrick Ijewere. As always, at 1 p.m., we come to you with wellness, with a perspective of health that gives reverence to the source of our being. We impart that there are five pillars to wellness. Spiritual, mindset, nutrition, lifestyle, environment. The month of April, we continued from August, honoring our elders in the wellness arena. We looked at challenges they face, from nutritional challenges, fitness and physical challenges, we had experts, we had our expert elder nurse, retired nurse, Megan, 83 years old, who is functionally just so intact. I mean, she still teaches, she still lectures. Of course, you all know about Professor Shodipo, 93. I didn't know more about him. You all are quite familiar with him. Today, on our journey looking at challenges of being elderly, we'll explore that memory, that part of the brain, that, hmm, I left my keys here. Hmm, where was I going? I'm hearing about, I thought I was supposed to go somewhere else. In medical terms, the word is dementia. Dementia. We have with us as our guest and expert in this arena and beyond, Dr. Femi Ladende, 30 years practicing in the UK, now in Nigeria, a few years, with just explosive knowledge, insight, tremendous experience. It's an honor and privilege. I was humbled to be on the stage with him. He spoke at a, the recent Alma Viva, a new NGO caring for cancer, for individuals with cancer. And I learned so much from listening to him. It's, an, it's a privilege, sir, to have you on our program on Wellness Half Hour. Good afternoon, Dr. Ladeinde. Good afternoon, Dr. Jewere. It's, uh, it's an honor to be invited. Well, just let me ask, let's ask a few questions before we go into our main topic. What triggered your return to Nigeria? I think God did. You get to a point when you begin to understand that According to what my Bible says, a man plans his ways, but God directs his steps. Whatever your plans may be, you, you will then follow the divine path that you were given. To be honest, I was quite completely prepared to spend the rest of my life in the United Kingdom. I had no plans to come back to Nigeria. None at all. Zero. But then something happened completely out of my control and I found I had to be in Nigeria for a period of three months. And I ended up talking with the students of one of my old breast cancer cases. And from there I was invited to speak to the wisdom group in one of the big, big churches in Lekki. And... The president said, Dr. Ladende, we understand that you live in London. I said, yes. He said, no, no, you can't do that. 
you've got to find a way to come back. And I said, I've got nothing here. There is nothing that would make me come here. My entire family is in the United Kingdom. My father died there. My mother died, died there. They're both buried there. I have nothing here. But he said, no worries. If God has a plan, he has a plan. You know? And that was four and a half years ago. And I find I'm still here. Sometimes I ask myself questions. What am I doing here? But then, just waiting to see what God will do next. Thank you for coming back and thanks for being our guest. All right. Our elderly, that memory issue, we call it dementia. What exactly is dementia? How should we... How should the layman understand it clinically? And then we'll go into some of the things that trigger it. What is dementia? Dementia, in essence, is a loss of ability to continue to hold information inside this little box in our heads that has a bag of chemicals we call it brain. And that bag of chemicals is what adjusts itself continually to, one, create what we call your foundational worldview, which was created between the ages of two and four. And after you've done that, to then add layer upon layer upon layer of what you're learning and what you believe is important. And when you're getting to a stage, you see, compare the brain with a computer. It's got a limited amount of space in it, so-called RAM. Now, when that is full, or random access memory, when that is full, the computer can no longer hold anything. Any new information you bring in, you try to save it, it shuts it. That's exactly what your brain is doing. But the human brain is plastic. It will keep expanding indefinitely. But it depends on two things to be able to do that. It needs the right kind of nutrients, and it needs continuous blood supply. If either one of those two is tampered with, then you have a situation in which the brain does not renew itself. And if it doesn't renew itself, it depends only on the old neurons or the old cells that is God. And as they get older, they begin to become less efficient. And therefore, you tend to find holes in areas where there shouldn't be holes. Like you, you left your office. It happens to me well, a few times. You left your office, you want to enter your bedroom to pick up something. You get to the bedroom, you ask yourself, why did I come here? Something's lost in transit. You had an idea. You got up to activate the idea but as you walked along something else filled the space a hole dropped out now if you stood there long enough and you look around you something might trigger your memory and you remember why you came but it's so frustrating that i've been a couple of times when i got there and i had to go back where i started from and by the time i got there i said ah that's it but there are two things that are critical to me one is sugar. The other one is fat. And they're diametrically opposed. Sugar burns up your brain. Doctor, 
before we go into the sugar and fat. Statistically, how much of the brain do we really, really use? <laughs> we use less than 10% of the capacity of the brain. Even the Einsteins of this world use less than 15% of the capacity of the brain. That is why you can look at people like the Tibetan monks who levitate, who actually get off the ground and float in space. They're using the power of the mind. If we allow the, if we ever are able to use even 25% of the capacity that the brain has, we'll perform what people will think is magic. Go and look at some of the young people that they're raising. They, 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 they talk about brilliant young Nigerians in America. I was a 13-year-old that just finished a university course and got a master's degree at 13. Now, what I would love for us to do is look at that brain and look at the waves that are coming from it and look at what that brain is being fed. And then you will begin to understand that even at that level, you're using 10%. At a recent seminar, a neuropsychologist explained that studies have revealed 80% of the brain is formed by age two. And that by age by age five, 100% of the brain is more or less formed. And she went forth and added a child by age five, I think she said, could, have, could master eight languages and ten musical instruments. And I said, no, that's this. Break it down. I mean, that, that's, that's absolutely correct. But there is a slight edge to it that I will push back. Is that a child begins to develop the capacity of the brain not only when they pop out. It started developing in utero. And if the mother was not given the right kind of nutrition, even before she became pregnant, then the brain could be compromised. But what I will add to that is, take a zero-age to age two, for example, and you're looking at a brain that is growing massively. It's growing at a pace you and I cannot fathom. I'll use a quick example. There was a little baby that was born. He was only, I think, six or seven days old. This was one of the papers. that, And his uncle came in and looked at his cot. And he looked up. And the uncle stuck out his tongue at him. This was a six-day-old baby. The uncle left the United States, was in Australia for a while, came back when the baby was a toddler. It was about 14 months. And as soon as he entered the room, the young boy ran behind his mother and cocked his head to one side and looked at this uncle. And after 30 seconds... He stuck out his tongue, repeating exactly what the uncle did when he was six days old. 
Now, how did that brain catch that action and stored it? And I say to parents, I am privileged sometimes to be able to talk to a few parents at church. And I say, if you're not your child's friend, when he or she is two and three and four, you've lost them. Because that is the age at which they are forming their platform of their worldview. And if you are not in it at that point, you're out of it. That is critical to understand. Because we now talk about children being difficult to manage and all that. Children are not difficult to manage. You did not become part of their worldview when they were building their brain. You cannot suddenly jump into it. And that is why you have 12, 13, 14-year-old girls telling their dad to, hey, stay out of my life. Because if you had a daughter at two and three and four and she's your closest friend, if she gets into trouble when she's 12, 13, 14, you'll be the first person she'll come to. That's a topic for either this show or another show on the whole show. <laughs> You know, I've read articles about talk to the child, sing to the child when they're in the womb. Don't wait till they come out. Engage them in a discussion. They're listening. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. One of my nephews, has, one of, his father was a celebrated television personality in this country. I'm not going to mention names. Each time he came back from work, sometimes late, 11, 12, midnight, 1 a.m., and his wife was pregnant. And he'll go and rub the belly and say, my little boy, talk to me. And an elbow will come out. And he'll rub on the other side. Hey, give me a kick here. And the other side will come out. It happens. There are things around us that we do not understand. We're surrounded by electromagnetic waves. And we ourselves are emitting electromagnetic waves. This is information. Information is traveling from me to you. That is why people talk about, don't invade my space. And that is why some people will enter a ballroom and there will be sudden, total silence. Not because they said a word, but because as their presence entered the room, it sort of flicked on everybody else's magnetic field. And then the conversation will start again slowly here and there. But th there are things we don't understand yet. Let, let me share this personal. Around age, just before age one, it was about 10 or 11 years of 11 months of age, my son got up and began to make noise in the bed, sleeping between my, my wife and I. I returned from late shift around 4 in the morning, so I just laid down. I was a bit too tired to get up. I thought my wife would wake up and attend to him. This young, this little toddler sits up, comes right above my face, and says in complete English sentence, Daddy, I know you are not sleeping. Wake up. And went back. I woke up, got up straight to the kitchen and got him, got him something to, to, to eat. That didn't happen after that episode. Eventually, language and full development came along. Mm. 
But that event shocked the daylight out of myself and my wife. Okay. And we just knew this, this young man mm. is special. Mm-hmm. But what, what, what you're saying is, no, he's not really special. They all have this capacity. Sure. They all do. Mm-hmm. But somehow we, we, we miss it in their early years. We miss it because we, we allow a lot of things to intrude. That is, is, is the exact same problem we have with the human body when we talk about health and disease. We miss signals that the body is sending out. And it, it pains me when I see that the paradigm that we use now is that damage needs to have been done before a patient will come to a doctor. What you need to do is find the damage before it is done. Then you will not be treating symptoms. You'll be treating the cause of the problem. Wellness. Please don't wait for sickness to occur. Wellness is our gift. On this program, we impart that. Wellness is a gift from God. In his totality, in his completeness, in his, in his perfection, we have that. When illness occurs, we've blocked something. And what we keep learning each time is really we are the source of some of our issues. It's not most of our issues. We need to change the paradigm, change the way we look at things. We're talking about the brain, d- dementia, and we've gone back really to the building blocks of how information is put into this bag, into this chemical bag. You also, you also noted Dr. Ladendi has talked about nutrition. At least three times he's mentioned the word nutrition. Both when the mother is carrying the child, or after the child comes out, and also even into our adult age it's mentioned nutrition we had a talk on this about three shows ago on elderly and nutrition and here we are tying it right back to in utero the health of the mother her nutritional status the quality of food she's eating at the time conception if not even before conception before conception yeah okay dementia so we have this mind that you could really nurture from a very from the even before the zero Use that definition because that's really incorrect. Before the child appears in the world, you can actually begin to put information into, into his mind, into the child, and nurture it, give it the right nutrition. And somewhere along the line, this memory, this forgetfulness begins to occur. Initially, we laugh, we joke socially, then suddenly, ah, daddy's forgetting too much, mommy's forgetting too much. What are, you've talked about nutrition. You mentioned fat, you mentioned sugar. Let's look at those two items and memory forgetfulness. It has been studied and found out and determined that, for example, dementia, an extension of it is called Alzheimer's, is what they're now terming diabetes type 3. It is an inflammation of the brain. The brain is on fire and it's got to be quietened down. Glucose is the worst kind of fuel the brain can use. It uses it if it has no choice. But the similarity is like take two cars. One is burning diesel, the other one is burning high octane petrol. Which one will leave more residue? The diesel one. Good. Now, If you take sugar, you're burning diesel. 
But if you take the right kind of fat, you're burning what we call ketones. And you may have heard that there's this brouhaha about the ketogenic diet and all that. Now, your, body, your, your brain would preferentially use a ketone as a fuel source than glucose. And once you begin to do that, you're removing some of the residue that happens when you're using glucose and the body will try to get rid of the damage that has been done before then. Quick one, there was a doctor in, I'm not sure whether it's Carolina, but it's one of the American states, whose husband was a celebrated accountant. But he started losing his mind, more or less. He'll forget to send out bills. He didn't complete jobs. Didn't. And she took him to a neuropsychologist. And they determined that he had the early stages of Alzheimer's. He couldn't even draw the face of a clock. Now, this was a man who was a chartered accountant. And at the seminar, she heard about the effect of coconut oil. And she started adding two tablespoons of coconut oil to this man's food three times a day. At the end of four and a half weeks, her husband, who couldn't even complete one sentence of conversation, walked down from the bedroom upstairs and said it like a light bulb just went on. And he could sit down with his doctor now and draw a face clock perfectly. There was nothing else that was added, only coconut oil. But we know that coconut oil contains medium-chain triglycerides that the brain can use for fuel. What was happening was that the brain was getting loaded down with the waste products of burning glucose, and it was shutting down slowly. And you now give the brain something completely different to use as fuel, and it started waking up. Usually we open the lines at about a quarter past. We're almost 23, 24 past. We'll open the line, take a few calls. Obviously, listeners, you know there's need for a part two. So today is part one of Dr. Ladin. <laughs> <laughs> so our number here is 0700 0700-923-923-923. 0700-923-923-923. You can send us a WhatsApp on 0817-313-6193. You mentioned fats, and you quickly qualified high-quality fats. What, what's the difference between fats? And fat is fat now. Fat is not fat. No. Fat, fat cannot be fat. There are good fats and there are bad fats. For example, a lot of us will go on the market and buy vegetable oil or a peanut oil. Or well, You might as well take a gun and shoot yourself. Because those have been processed in a terrible way and they will create serious problems for you. If you get good fats, we call them the essential fatty acids. Omega-3, omega-6, omega-9, omega-7s are there. And they look, your brain is 
69% fat by weight. Wellness half hour. You're okay, go ahead, sir. And if you're almost 70% fat by weight, take the brain of a goat, for example, and drop it in a bucket of hot water. You will see the oils bubble up to the top. You're 70% fat. Wallace Half Hour, good afternoon. You're on the air. Your name and where you're calling from? Hello, good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon, madam. Go ahead. Okay, my name is Azad. Calling yes. from Satellite. Yes, ma'am. Please, I have problem of this brain loss. Sometimes I do remember something. And that's from weeks. I will just please, about. Please turn off your radio. Please turn off your radio. There's an... Feedback echo. I said sometimes I do remember something. Within a week, I will just forget about them. I don't know. And I'm having this uh, eye water coming out from my eyes every morning. Even now, I'm still experiencing that. So what do I do about it? Okay. Um, doctor will address the issue of the memory. And then we'll give a number at the end of the program. We can talk about the eye issue. Please. If, you, if you're beginning to forget things, the easiest thing to do is to look at what you're eating, how much of the carbohydrates are in it, and begin to reduce that slowly and increase the amount of fat that you have. I know a lot of people have been screaming about cholesterol and all that, but I know that cholesterol is your friend, not your enemy. More than 70% of people who had heart attacks and strokes had normal cholesterol. So it wasn't the cholesterol. So increase the amount of butter you eat. Increase the amount of eggs you eat. Get some coconut oil. Even get some of our own palm oil. The, the, the thing is, don't damage it before you have used it. Don't burn it. Because the way we cook is that we tend to heat the oil until it begins to smoke. But that time, it has become damaged good. The more of those fat you eat, if you can find yourself some really good coconut oil and drink three tablespoons three times a day, do that for three weeks without stopping and tell me if you notice any changes. This issue of oil will address in a full program. Professor, doctor is referring to cold-pressed virgin coconut oil, not the one that was made with heat. Even the palm oil, you've heard Professor Shodeko talk about this, cold pressed palm oil was what he grew up with and that's what we had in the villages before quote unquote we became civilized okay we have a call we have a whatsapp message here dementia a chronic disorder of the mental processes caused by brain disease or injury and marked by memory disorders but how best can one relate socially with people suffering this ailment disease or is it a lost cause this is from Femi Adigbemile I wouldn't say it's a lost cause. Nothing is ever a lost cause. But we live in a generation of instant gratification. We want results and we want it now. The body doesn't work like that. For the damage to be done takes a number of years. The body is still going to use a similar number of years to reverse the process. So when you find a damage... It is, that is not the time the damage started. The damage has taken a few years to get to that point. 
And you're going to need to begin to put in the repair mechanisms and allow it to work for a few months. I tell some of my patients, anything you are not prepared to do for 90 days, three months, don't even start because your body will not recognize it. It will take your body 90 days to begin to put the new things you're putting in, in place for you to start seeing results. All right. We have, do we have room for one more call? Okay. Wellness half hour. You're on the air. Your name is... Good, after, good afternoon. Wellness half hour. Good afternoon. I'm Comfort. Yes. Calling from Arudu. Yes, madam. Go Please, ahead. I'm 15 years old. And I want the doctor to tell me the kind of things I should eat. Because I eat enough vegetables. Because five years ago, I asked for less So, I don't eat fat. And I don't eat meat. So I want doctor to give me more advice on my age, what to do, what to eat. Maybe I should stop taking sugar. Don't, doctor has heard. He'll, he'll take the question. Age 50. 50, 50. Now, if you have a high cholesterol at that point and they're telling you it's becoming a problem, I will not completely agree. Let me tell you one thing. Only 25% of the cholesterol in your body comes from the food you eat. The remaining three quarters, 75%, is manufactured in your liver and in your intestine. Your body makes it. So there's no way you can get away from it. The only way your body allows cholesterol to be corrected is inside the liver that makes it. So if your cholesterol is going up, then the liver is not doing some work. And if the liver is not doing some work, it means it is doing some other work that is more important than dealing with cholesterol. Let me tell you one thing quickly. You have hormones in your body as a woman. All of your hormones are built on a foundation of cholesterol. So if you don't have cholesterol, how are you going to build your hormones? It's impossible. Don't worry your head about cholesterol. Find somebody who can get you a good type of vitamin B3 called niacinamide. That will support your liver to begin to deal with the cholesterol. Then find other things that will support your liver. There is a tea that you can take, right? It's called milk thistle tea. If you take that tea, that will support your liver. Your liver will begin to do some of the work it's supposed to do. Okay, well, this is be our, our last question. It's a uh, what's up? Good afternoon, doctor, and many thanks for this expository. Coconut oil is derived from heating grated coconut. How is it the different from the processing of vegetable oil? Please tell us. Thank you, Usanga. Coconut oil is not made from heating coconut. No, that is why Doctor Jewery said it has to be cold pressed. Take the flesh out of the inside of the coconut, all right? You can do this yourself to find out. Put it between two very heavy plates. Crush it. You will find water come out of it. And then if you leave it for three minutes, you'll find a little bit of oil floating on top of it. That is the oil you want. What I tell some of my patients to do sometimes when you cannot find the proper coconut oil is but you're going to need a whole lot of coconuts to be able to get anything reasonable. Buy yourself 20 coconuts, 
All right? Break all of them open. Remove the flesh. Begin to squeeze it slowly. Maybe you will be lucky to find half a glass of coconut oil. From you see, And I tell people, drink coconut milk. Right? Cut up the coconut. Blend it. Then use a clean new white handkerchief to squeeze out all of the liquid from it. It's white liquid. That's your coconut milk. It contains far more nutrition than you will ever get from cow's milk. Actually, my advice to my patients is never, ever drink anything that comes from a cow. Dr. Ladende, you've opened up several Pandora's boxes. We've actually gone over into Senator Boss program. Oh, yeah. Commitment. Part two is coming up. Well, let's pray that the Lord will give us the opportunity to do a part two. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Listeners, we'll let you know there'll be a part two. Please keep listening. 1 p.m. every Sunday. Wellness half hour. Stay tuned next fourth. Sing it with music with Sonny Irabo. <laughs>